choose the path that awakens your heart and ignites the fire in your soul. Welcome, and thank you for listening to Into the World We Go. I'm your host, Marky Alfonso, and I am here to help guide you into the most beautiful world of the unknown. And yes, I said unknown, and together we are going to reprogram just how incredible the unknowns of our life can truly be. On this podcast, we will be shedding away layers of living beliefs that we have built around the unknowns of our dreams and goals. Through myself and guests' real-life stories and experiences, together we are going to rewire our minds with love, courage, freedom, and understanding. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a little slice of encouragement and inspiration you have been needing to start owning your birth-given right to live freely. Hello and welcome back to Into the World We Go. I'm your host, Marky Alfonso, and this week I have a very special guest, is my lovely friend, Erica. I've known Erica since we figured out before this podcast, um, since <laughs> 12, when we were both 20 years old, going on to 21. Um, we started working at Ikea together, and she has been one of like my greatest friends ever since, and she is one of the most inspirational people I know, and I just think that she has a lot to say, and I'm really excited to have you here. So why don't you introduce yourself, Erica? Hi, everybody. My name is Erica. And like Marcolina said, we've known each other for about, what, nine years now? That's crazy. Oh Time flies. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Time sure does fly. But yeah, we've known each other for a while. We've been friends. We both moved around and still kept in contact. So it's great to have me. Thank you for considering me an inspiration. I know. I, I mean, I always have, and I always tell you that, but you're always like, what, me? Like, me? Modest, <laughs> like, humble, and that's also, like, one of the, like, best things about you is if you're a genuine person, and, you know, like, you're, you're very deep and wise, but, like, you're also, like, super fun. If you don't mind, I'm going to say, like, your sign, you're a Gemini, and I, I love Geminis, like, as a Virgo. Mm-hmm. That's always like I need the Gemini to my mm-hmm. because I take things yep. so seriously sometimes, and I always say that to you that I was like, ah, I, I have to be like Erica. I'm like, I just have to just <laughs> not a big deal. Just let it go. Like, just let it go. So, yep. <laughs> just let it go. Just say, eh, whatever. I don't care. Erica, what's going on? I know you have some big things that have just happened. Oh, I just graduated from graduate school. I have my master's in early childhood education now, and I'm working on my certification in New York, even though I don't plan to stay in New York forever, but to be certified, you know, you make a little more money. So that's the biggest news I have this week. I graduated on Wednesday. I think that's a pretty fucking big news. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Now that's awesome. I do. I do. It just felt felt a little weird during COVID, you know, not really getting to celebrate as you would want to, not going to a graduation. So in the beginning, I was just like, whatever. But then when the day came, I was like, wow, I, re- I really have my master's degree, like something yeah. that I've always wanted. I've always yeah. wanted a master's. So it just was, it felt good to finally get it, you know, and be like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, like, as your friend, like, because I met you when you were still going to Old West Ferry, and you were getting your bachelor's, your undergrad, and, you know, to see you, like, years later, and graduating with your master's now, like, that's, that's amazing, and I think that's really big news for this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's just, it's 
just you know over the years that we've known each other it's just good to see your friends grow and see your friends achieving the goals that they want to achieve like it also makes you happy like years ago we used to talk about this stuff like we used to Mm -hmm. have these conversations about all the things that we wanted to do everything Mm -hmm. we are living right now was things that we have actually had conversations about when we were 20 21 22 years old and it's really um to kind of like be here and like i'm not even going to say it's full circle yet because we have so much more to go but you know mm-hmm. I, like you know i mean we are closing in our 20s and we're going to be 30 this year and you know i think for this chapter like we really have had like a full circle of like where we started like who we were like you know like you met me before i ever moved you know and since then yep. I've moved like seven times i think you know so like that's crazy wow like there's so much that like mm-hmm. and during our lives that we once planned and we were so like afraid of and being like oh it's just a fantasy like that's all it really is like it's just a fantasy it's just a dream and now here we both are like years later and actually living it and doing it and we're just like still probably scared of the next thing we're gonna do <laughs> mm-hmm. that's exactly what i was saying because i think all those years ago we were so nervous about the future that it's the future, but we're still nervous about what's to come and about the future from today too. Yeah. So I, I think the the future always makes people nervous. So it's just mm-hmm. like, what's next now? We were, what well, I was an undergrad. You were at Nassau, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, you just I was in my <laughs> Yep. And look at us now, like all these years later. Right? It's crazy. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's amazing, though. Congratulations. I'm really Thank you. I Thank love seeing you. everything you do. Like, I mean, wow. when I say that you are such an inspiration to me, um, I don't know if you've heard of this before, but like people like are mirrors in your life. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, rather than looking at someone like, oh, I wish I had that, you look at someone like that's a reflection of what you can be. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times you have been that reflection for me of, you know, you want those goals, like, look at her, like, look at like her doing it, that that's you too, you know, like, mm-hmm. that's why these people are here is to inspire you to teach you to help you grow evolve, you know, and so I'm very appreciative of you. Oh, thank you. That was sweet of you. Thank um, you for saying that. Yeah. So actually, like, you know, not everybody who's listening to this episode knows you very well. I kind of want to like dive into the questions and kind of see like, who are you? This podcast is called Into the World We Go. Where does entering into the world for you begin? And and like entering into those unknowns of, of your life and kind of like where these pivotal times were. And, you know, I know that's like a loaded question. So, mm-hmm you know, take your time and, and <laughs> <what> you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it goes back to me just, I grew up in Harlem. I spent all my life in Harlem. Um, but I always knew like, it wasn't just Harlem. There was so much more to the world. And I didn't want to just stay there for all my life. I just, I don't know, growing up, my parents always instilled school and not that, you know, everybody, it's not for everybody. School is not for everybody. But I always enjoyed learning. I always enjoyed um, going to school. And so I guess it just starts with me being from Harlem 
enjoying school and knowing that there was more to the world than just where I was from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I went away to school, even if it was in Long Island, it was still away. It wasn't mm-hmm. in Harlem. Yeah. <laughs> I went away and met different people. And I think, you know, you meet people from different places. And then, like, even when I started working with you at Ikea, um, you know, all everybody that was there all had their own lives and their own. And it was also different to me. And I think all those different people that I met in college and working and, and just all those experiences um, helped me grow and helped me like know that it's just not where we live at the moment. There's just so much more to the world. Um, yeah. I think that's how kind of like you give me inspiration with you moving everywhere. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. really cool. Like I, I told you that before, like it gives me more inspiration to be like, I need to just go and not, yeah. you know, stay where I am. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Um, and also like just growing in Harlem, I always said that I, like now looking back at like people that I went to school with when I was, you know, younger, I always say that like my life could have went another way. I always, yeah. I always say that. And, you know, um, for those who are listening we're back. I'm sorry. Um, the internet went out. Me and Arca have been talking for two hours, smooth sailing. And right when we start, the internet goes out. So continue, Erica. All right. So I think the last thing I was saying was that um, I always say my life could have went another way. So I just mean to say that by um, I did grow up and live in Harlem for most of my life. And I've seen people that I went to school with and in my neighborhood that have just decided to do other things with their lives. And, you know, that's just the path they chose to go on. And there's nothing wrong with those paths. That's just the path they chose. And I just see that we all grew up in the same area or went to the same schools. And I just see how different our lives went. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I do think it has to do with how our minds are and how we were raised and what our parents instilled in us as well. So I think that is a lot of it because my dad always used to tell me that I want to give you more than I had growing up. Mm -hmm. So I keep that in my mind, like, because I have a daughter now who's one and I always say, I want to give her more than what I had growing up. Yeah. So um, that's definitely like something that has, made me choose different paths and how my mind is set up and it's kind of I'm very like strong-willed and if I set my mind to something and I say I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do it Mm -hmm. like that's just how I am and um my dad had a lot to do with that a lot to do I'm a lot like him so I think that um that has a lot to do with it yeah yeah so, like, your parents have been yeah. extremely influential to your life choices, would you say? I, I do think so, yes. They have, and I mean, you know what they say, you're, you're half your mom, you're half your dad. Mm-hmm. Most kids are more like their dad. Like, just even how science works, just think about your parents and think about who you more like. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, you're more like your dad. There's, like, some genetic gene science thing mm-hmm. about that. And it's just so true. Like, as I got older, I realized that I'm, like, so much like my dad. And, like, all my siblings, we all have so much of my dad's traits. Mm 
That's and awesome. even my mom, she'll say that. <laughs> she will be like, <laughs> that's something your dad will say. Or you just like your dad, you just like your dad. So. <laughs> Number one statement so. every kid hears. <laughs> You're just like your father. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, it's, not a, it's, a, it's a good thing to hear because, yeah. you know, my father passed away when I was 16. Mm-hmm. So um, it's always good to be reminded of him. Yeah. Always. So, you know. It's been 12 years now, but, um, you know, I always, always think about what he's taught me and he was, he was big on school and, you know, doing more with your life and leading the right path. And I think that's why part of me is the way I am today too, because I know what I want for myself and I know that I just have to put my mind to it and, I can achieve those goals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of um, like losing your dad and stuff, like that's always usually like a a really big, the biggest like unknown for many people. Like, you know, is like that Mm -hmm. fear. Like, you know, I I feel like every child's like biggest fear is like losing their parent. And and especially when like you're young, Mm -hmm. like that, that causes Mm -hmm. such like a a ricocheted, you know, and and at any point in your life, but especially as like a kid and like such like fundamental Mm -hmm. years. And, you know, seeing like that, how you persevered through like such a a hard time in your life, like, you know, that's really amazing. Yeah, I think that's one reason why we, you always like, we we always talked about stuff. You're always one friend that always like would listen to my stories about my dad. Like you were always Mm -hmm. so interested in them. And I know you have a close relationship with your dad too. So maybe, maybe that's why. But, um, but yeah, and you know, my mom, my dad were married for what, 15 years. So it was like, I grew up in a home with both my parents together and, you know, it did have an effect on me, but I also, he also taught us how to live without him. And I think that that's Mm. important when you're raising your children to teach them how to live without you because they're not always going to be there. So I was, prepared but it's still a loss so you're still grieving you're still sad but literally the day that he passed away I went to school because that's what he would have wanted me to do I went to school and after school I went to a Chris Brown concert because mm-hmm. that's what I know he would have wanted me to do. And <laughs> he, wouldn't have wanted me to, <laughs> he wouldn't have wanted me to stay home and cry. He would have wanted me to go have fun and to go do what I wanted to do. And those were my plans that day. And I still did them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after, of course, he was just still there in my thoughts and, and everything like that. And even the day of his funeral, I had a regents exam I had to go to. And I just, I did it. And I know that he would be proud. And I know that it's something that it's a part of him that he instilled in me is that, you know, life still goes on and you still have to be able to move forward and, and do things like, you know, things happen unexpectedly all the time, but you have to pick yourself up and you have to, you have to keep going. You still can grieve. You still can go through how you go through it, but you do have to keep you have to keep living your life. Yeah. You have to keep living your life. And, you know, like I said, he's taught me how to live without him. So mm-hmm. um, me being an adult now, I still have, you know, many personality traits as he, he has and um, 
just some of his words of wisdom that he's he's given me I still think about and still live by because Mm -hmm. I know how to live without him even though he's you know he's here in spirit to me but I do know how to live without him and yeah yeah it's like you and that's that's so powerful because it's like you thank him for that you know like you Mm -hmm. thank him for how your ability to be able to live without him you know and it shows Mm -hmm. like how important his role like what a what a moving lesson you know and Mm -hmm. and but like you mentioned that you were 16 right when he passed away yeah I was 16 that that's wild like you know to to know how young you were, but to know like your, your wisdom and how deep you were, like you knew what you needed to do in order to keep mm-hmm. living. And, th- and that's exactly what you had to do. You had to keep living. And I think sometimes yeah. like death is viewed as one of like the most like feared unknowns of life is losing the people we love. But yeah. I noticed that the, some of the, like the greatest losses in my life were my greatest life, life lessons. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people, their life, they're like they have so much meaning in life and that even their death like has such powerful meaning that lasts your entire lifetime you know what i mean and mm-hmm. so oh, definitely yeah so this is just something you know it's it is obviously i'm still you know i still think about like all the talks that i wish i could have with him because he was like he was a talker just like me so mm-hmm. it was like i got my talking from my dad not my mom how most women get their talking right. from so <laughs> my dad was a talker he talked to anybody so mm-hmm. it's it is sad that i don't have him around to 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 have those talks but i still like you know live in his memory i would still talk to my daughter about him and you yeah. know if i have any more kids i will talk to them about who their grandfather was because mm-hmm. it's important for them to know who he was even though he's not you know alive anymore absolutely and that's beautiful like that's he lives through you you know and he'll he'll never right. die because he lives through you guys you know yeah and like one day they're gonna be talking about their grandfather and be like ours gonna be like i love this guy <laughs> and be so <laughs> proud of him <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's right. awesome yeah, mm-hmm. I remember when you shared that with me like years ago and I was like, wow, this girl's so strong, you know, um, yeah. and that's such a hard thing, you know, for people to go through. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, especially children, like it's like it's one of our, our most feared thing as a child is losing our parents. How do we live without them? How do we live without the people who gave us life? And, you know, exactly. but that's their job as a parent is, is exactly what your dad did is to teach us exactly how to live without us and even though we feel like we don't we're not going to know anything you know you 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 are you surprise yourself clearly you know of how much Mm -hmm. you actually know and how to guide yourself through those times um Mm -hmm. you know i mean i haven't gone through it yet knock on wood Mm -hmm. you know but there will be a day and i dread it (laughs) so honestly it's actually one of my biggest fears like i i'm be so honest with everybody here like that is one of my biggest fears and so you know, I think that's a lot of people is one of their biggest fears is losing mm-hmm. a parent because those are the people who gave you life. Those are the people who brought you into this world, who who raised you, who molded you, who who basically, you know, taught you to be the person you are today. Like, yeah, a lot of how we are is because of our parents. And, you know, sometimes it could be good. Sometimes it could be bad. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, everybody's parents are different everybody has different parenting skills but 
um, they help mold us to who we are. So it is, you are going to grieve it. It is going to be hard, but, you know, I always tell people, especially if they have parents that are living in their, I just be like, just be grateful that you have your parents. Like my assistant, she still has her mom and her mom is in her eighties. And I'm like, what a blessing to still have your mother alive. You know what I mean? Like that's a blessing in itself. Like when people get to live to see their parents grow old, like that. And you're, and you're older yourself. That's a blessing. So just to have your parents, the people that you love around you is a blessing because any of it could be taken from you at any moment and you don't know when it's coming. So death is 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 we're getting closer to the day we die every day right so So, how are we gonna enjoy it while we live yeah because you know like something i always hear that like that expression like you know people feel most alive when they're dying why Hmm. why do you feel most alive when you're dying and i think i said in my first episode is my greatest hope is that people feel most alive while they're living because Mm -hmm. whether you believe that there's many lives or this is the only life that why not live it to what you want to live it to? And, and you, you know, you have to, you have to learn to view these like hardships in your life as lessons. Like that's truly just, that's all it really is. It's nothing personal, but a lesson to help you grow. And I mean, I truly believe that you're never given more than you can handle. Even if you truly believe in that moment that you can't handle this, you absolutely can. And, you know, you have to keep going. And that's where I find it really important to have faith. You know, like that's those times where you have to have faith, you have to have hope, you have to keep, you know, what works for you, you know, for me, like, recently, it's like praying, you know, but anything that gets you through those times, like connecting to your source and, and, and whatever it is that brings you closer to like that peace and harmony, understanding, you know, because when life hits, it really hits hard. And the only thing you want is for the earth to stop shaking. And, yep. you know, you got to take yourself to those places and, and in healthy ways, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you I mean, hit it on a nail. yeah, I'm you, sorry not to cut you off, but I was saying you hit it on a nail. You said the same thing that I do is I pray to, yeah. I pray when I don't know what's coming next, when I, it's something that I really want, but I don't know what to do. I mm-hmm. pray all the time. So yeah. I think prayers, prayer, at least for me, it works. And yeah. You got to be specific. You got to say what you want, what you need, what you, mm-hmm. you know, be specific or ask for guidance or, you know, at least yeah. that, that's what works for me. That has yeah. worked for me all my life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think there's something I ever, ever told you, but you're actually someone also who uh, you were the, one of the first people who gave me a pure new perception of spirituality actually and like connecting to source and prayer because it wasn't until you where like it was so attached to like church and and the bible and like just uh, having to just mm-hmm. do specific things in order to reach a connection and you were like the first mm-hmm. like young person that was like my age who was connected to source or and like for you it is god right yes mm-hmm. um so like connecting to god but you were so comfortable talking about it like you were just mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I pray, I go to church and like, I was like, whoa, you know, like, cause at that point in my life, I was so resistant of any form of like, oh, it's religion. Like, like get it away from me. And, mm-hmm. you know, it took mm-hmm. me a really long time, like in years after that to finally realize that like, 
you can have spirituality and faith and prayer without being tied to religion if it doesn't suit you. And, you know, I I always found that really moving about you is like when you would be like, oh, like I love going to church because I feel really connected, you know, like, and Mm -hmm. I, and I don't do it all the time, but like, you know, just to hear someone like at 20 years old who wasn't like so resistant towards it and like Mm -hmm. had such a, a, a good connection to it and and a healthy way Mm -hmm. that I was like, wow, like, okay, that, that means something, you know? Yeah. And that's, yes, I'm still the same way. I don't go to church all the time because you know, life. And I don't live in New York, right? I live in New Jersey. So just, and I don't drive right now. So, you know, my church is pretty far right now, but I do always take the time to pray. My mother is, goes to church like every day. And I always be, tell her to, you know, make sure you say a prayer for me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I still feel the same way. I'm not as uh like I don't go to church every Sunday I'm not that person um but I do believe that when I pray I feel connected when I do go to church I do feel even more connected um you know I believe that there's a higher power I believe that there is that is there that Mm -hmm. is there I definitely believe that yeah I love that too I love like the ways um you know like for like speaking of your father like you know you you continue moving in your life you pray you know you find ways to move through that discomfort so how did like Mm -hmm. going from the the loss of your father to like where I met you like what was like in between that like where did you find yourself on the path like then of like moving through that unknown and like where do you go from that point on well I remember, like I said, I, I took my regents, like probably the day of his funeral week or, or one of those. I don't really remember. I think it was his week. And then um, I just continued to go to school, like his his funeral. You know, funerals are like, what, three days, like the wake, the funeral, then the burial. And then after it's like, you know, you go back to your regular life and, um, you know, still obviously mourning and grieving, but... I still went to school every day because I honestly, I just knew that's what he would want. I knew that's what he wanted. He wanted me to continue with school. He thought school was just really important. He made sure I got good grades. He was one of those parents at parent teacher conference, every single one. Mm -hmm. Like, so he did not play when it came to school and me, like he just believed that school was the way to go. And Mm -hmm. like I said, school's not for everybody, but I enjoyed school. I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed those things. So I knew that me continuing and graduating high school um, and going to college was something that he wanted me to do. And I'm his fifth child out of six. And at the time, it was just me and my sister in the home. So all my other siblings are older than us. So it was like, you know, I was the oldest in the house. I went to school every day. I did not miss a day. I did Mm -hmm. not miss a day, like ever. Only time I, (laughs) even when they, the MTA had a strike, my dad worked for MTA. He found a way for me to get to school. Like oh literally, I, just, I, I was so mad, but you know, it's just like stuff like that. He was just so pushing and motivated of me to go to school. And he always told me that I was smart and he always just say, you're not stupid. Like whenever I was do something, he'd be like, you're not stupid. Like you're not stupid. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, you know, you know, so he always, I guess, believed in me and knew that, um, I would achieve 
different things. And I'm every time I graduate or every time I do something in life that's accomplishing, I do get really sad because he's not here to celebrate that with me. You know, it does take a little toll on me, but I know that he is he's somewhere happy and smiling for me. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, you know, I just kept moving on because that's what I that's what I had to do. And I just had to keep living. I just had to keep going. And, you know, I, I felt like I had to just be strong there for my mom as well. But yeah. my mom is so, my mom was strong too. I always say in my whole life, I've probably seen her cry twice. Mm-hmm. I've never seen my mom cry like that. So, and one of the times was when my father passed away. So I just feel like, you know, being there for my mom, being there for my sister and just, um, being a a role model in a way too mm-hmm. and college was next high school graduation and I graduated high school I went to college I graduated my bachelor's in 2013 and then yeah and what then, did yeah, you um, go to school and like your bachelor's for I went for public health with a minor in social work um but I had no idea what I wanted to do I wanted mm-hmm. to work with, first, I wanted to work with people um, who had HIV and AIDS. I used to do a lot of volunteer work with, um, like, I forgot what it was called on campus, but the mm-hmm. sexual health clinic and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I was into learning about STDs and um, I was into learning about all those things. So <clears throat> that was my focus was like public health and like HIV and AIDS and and stuff like that but then when I graduated college I did really didn't find a job in that field it was really hard to I didn't Mm -hmm. really have any experience so I just started I was babysitting like yeah babysitting babysitting um one of my cousins and just living my life and going out I was young I was 22 23 Mm -hmm. and yeah, and then I started working um, at a school, and I was teaching um, nutrition because it was like public health nutrition. I was teaching nutrition, and I always I started that's when I started to love teaching, and I started to like going into the classroom. But I always loved the youngest group, which were the mm-hmm. kindergartners at the time. I loved yes. kindergarten; those <laughs> were my favorite oh my goodness to this day I love kindergarten it's such a fun age it's such an interesting mm -hmm. age yes so curious and I have all these Mm -hmm. questions and Mm -hmm. yeah that's my favorite five years old those are my favorites so Mm -hmm. yeah I started teaching there so the younger group kind of got to me and I knew that I wanted to work with younger kids my mom was also a teacher but I never really wanted to be a teacher I don't know it was not in me but then when I started working with the younger kids, I'm like, I like them. This is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then I started working at a daycare. And when I was at the daycare, I was with two-year-olds, three-year-olds, and four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And then I really was like, okay, I think this is what I want to do. I, I enjoy coming to work. I enjoy, you know, getting the kids that don't speak any English to finally talk to me. <laughs> um and you know getting kids to be comfortable with someone that's not their parent Mm -hmm. so yeah but I with my bachelor's it wasn't in education so I really wasn't making any money 
So in order for me to make some real money and have one job, because at the time I was also working retail um, and living in Jersey and working in New York, two jobs, one job was in New York, one job was in Jersey. Um, I was just so tired. Like literally I would say I am tired every day. I was exhausted. And I used to say like, this cannot be life. I cannot be sitting here working two jobs, living here, moving here, going. It was crazy. So I said, you know what, Erica, I think it's time for me to go back to school. (laughs) I talked to myself. myself. There's nothing wrong with talking to yourself. Okay. I I said to myself, I said, I think it's time for me to go back to school. I always wanted to get my master's, but I know when you want to get your master's, you have to be specific in what Mm -hmm. you want it in because you're only taking classes in that field and you got to be specific. So I knew that, um, I loved kids. I wanted to work in education. So I went back to school for early childhood in 2017. And uh, since 2017, I had a baby. I got engaged. I still went to school. I live in (laughs) Jersey, work in New York. And yeah, I just graduated and have a one-year-old. And we're so getting like your life like year. kind of like took like a pause after graduate for for your bachelor's and then all of a sudden 2017 hits and it's like bam everything's happening <laughs> at once you ready let's go <laughs> this is what we yep. prepared you for <laughs> yeah it definitely had a, it had a long pause and you know what though during that pause I was like what do I want to do with my life like mm-hmm. what is going on Erica I cannot do this like what is like in the beginning I was like okay whatever and then after a while I'm like no this is not it like what Mm -hmm. is going on like I need to figure it out and that's when you know speaking about prayer I used to pray every night and I would ask God like please help me figure out what is next Mm -hmm. in my life I yo listen even like I said it so much that now when I pray sometimes I say it and I'm like wait I already figured it out like it was so embedded (laughs) in my head to be please help me figure out my life I already know (laughs) (laughs) like I swear I swear I asked for it every single night and you know little do you know and I said I'm only going to apply to one school because grad school applications are expensive Mm -hmm. so I said I'm gonna go to this one school if I if I get in then it's for me and if I don't get in then I just got to figure out the rest of my life that's literally what I said and I I I applied and I got in and then I said okay this is this is for me this is for me this is what I was meant to do Mm -hmm. um because and it's okay to have that time of pause because at that time of my time of pause all my friends were already getting their master's degree like mm-hmm. my friends went from grad from undergrad straight to graduate school, but I didn't do that because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't want to rush the process just because my friends were doing it. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's kind of corny to me. Like, that's not my life. That's their life. And but it's I love that you just have... said that. I just have to pause you for a second. Cause I love yeah. that you just said that because mm-hmm. believe it or not, so many people rush to do the things that they do because other people are doing it. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that you paused your life and was like, no, that, that is their life. And you, you made yourself mm-hmm. see that clear difference. And I love, I love that. Cause I don't hear you. I really yeah. don't hear that often. Yeah, Sorry. You can keep going. Do, no, okay. <laughs> some people just do it 
<laughs> what other people are doing. And that's never been me. I've never been that person that is going to do what everyone else, excuse me, is doing. I think that my friends did great things in their lives and, and they knew exactly what they wanted to do. So they went to go get their master's. And I was like, I'm going to pause for a little bit and I'm going to figure it out, but I'm going to go get my master's as well. I'm going to do those things because that is what I want to do. That is not mm-hmm. what anybody else wants for me. That is what I want for myself. Yeah. So I kept that in my mind, you know, as I figured things out and I had fun during my time of pause. I, mm-hmm. I dated, I, you know what I mean? I went, I, I did stuff. I traveled. Mm-hmm. I had fun with friends. You know, I did things and it helped me become who I am today. During that time I met who I'm with now, my fiance. So it's kind of like, you know, it's okay to yeah. have that time of pause and time yes. of reflect of what do yes. I want out of my life? Yes. You know, yes. It's, yes. it's important to have that time. And like to me going away to college, that was also me figuring things out from about myself as well, because going away to a school that you don't know anybody mm-hmm. is like, okay, you know, you, you're making a, a name for your own self because you're talking, you know, you're meeting friends that you might have for the rest of your life. You're meeting friends that are some are, that are just temporary just for college. And then you meet friends that become lifelong best friends that are there mm-hmm. forever. Um, and they also, you know, help, help you grow in a way as well, because you're all on the same path, even though you have different paths, you're all young, you're Mm -hmm. all experiencing some of the same things, you know what I mean? You're all having that fun too, because I just think, I think it's important to, to also have fun, like have fun when you young travel, Mm -hmm. do, do what makes you happy. Don't do what make other people happy. Like just because your parents want you to go to school don't mean you have to go to school. That is mm-hmm. going to school is not for everybody. But if that's what you want to do, then you should do it. Yeah. Just do it. Like, you know, or give it a try. See if it's for you. If it's not for you, then you just figure out what's right for you. Yeah. Everything is not good for everybody. Everybody's mm-hmm. got different, you know. Yeah. So yeah. did you have fears going into like back to school for your master's like did you have like fears or limiting beliefs that were tied to that yeah I was I thought I wasn't sure if the work would be too hard because I haven't been in school in a while so I I think I took like four years off so when I went back I was like oh my goodness how am I gonna do this like I haven't wrote an essay in four years like what and the schools I went to were completely different like my where I got my master's from was a lot of a harder school so I was nervous I was like oh my goodness what's APA I didn't even what is that like I was (laughs) I was scared oh my goodness I was so scared but then it was like being in class again and then like I was scared and nervous that almost like I wasn't good enough I don't know why, but I would feel that way sometimes. But then going to school and then like, I guess I was already in the field too. So given my experiences in our classes, then I was like, I belong here. Like what? Get out of here. So mm-hmm. good for <laughs> so, you. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I was, I was so nervous. And to be honest, the school that I went to, um, sometimes in the classroom, I might be the only black person. 
in the field of education is usually a lot of, of Caucasian women. So sometimes I was the only the only black person in the room. Sometimes it might be me and the professor that are the only black people. And um, I think that even gave me even more of a push to be like, no, I belong here. And, mm. and this is my calling. And this is what I'm going to do. And, um, you know, I'm going to share my experiences because I'm here for a reason. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was a little bit of fear in there, but it went out the window once I started getting comfortable with going back to school. Yeah. And at that time, I, I didn't have kids. I, I was living on my own. So it was like, it was school, work, home, you know? So, and I was, I was ready for it because like I said, I had my fun. Not to say that fun needs to end, but I did have many years of going out and, mm -hmm. and, and doing those things. So now it was time to focus. And mm -hmm. it's all about how your mindset is. And my mind was set on school and finishing. Um, and that's exactly what I did. Yeah. I said, yeah, I went straight for two years. And then I took a break when I had my baby. I took a mm -hmm. year off. But even when I was pregnant, I was still in school. I was in school till I was seven months pregnant. <laughs> wow. Still going to school, still going to internships, all of those things. And then the semester I had her, I took that, that um, semester off. And then I, um, yeah, so I took a year off and then I went back and finished this past semester of my last class. Good for you. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank so you. I want you, if you don't mind, like kind of touching on that journey of being in school, like being on your way to your master's and you think you have it all planned, like, you know, your, your end goal is good to graduate. And then next thing you know, you're making the decision to take a year off because you're about to give life and enter into like mm -hmm. one of the most life-changing experiences that you'll ever like probably experience, you know, um, and becoming yeah. a mother, you know? And so how did like, yeah. how did you go from being, I'm Erica, the, the girlfriend and student and coworker to now I'm Erica, like the mother and sharing a partnership mm -hmm. and, and then now my career and kind of finding mm -hmm. that full circle of that, like where you started to where you are right now. Cause obviously it's not a done circle, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was a lot to take in, but it was just like how I put my mind to everything. Like, well, I got to do it and I just got to make time. Everything is timing and time management. Like everything is time management. You could do 50 things in one day. You just got to time it out the right way. Mm -hmm. So when I was pregnant, I was taking three classes and two of them were like the hardest classes in graduate school. And I was like, but guess who's going to finish those classes? Me. <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, and, um, you know, my beginning pregnancy, I still went to class, still did my essays, still went to work every day. Um, but I also, like now, like being a mom, like you said, I also have to remind myself that I have to be good before everybody else is good. Like, mm -hmm. I have to take care of myself before I take care of anyone else. And that is point blank, period. Like, I always say that because I think 
being having a person with so many roles you just forget about the individual you forget about yourself you just think about everyone else so like you're a mom so you think about your kids you're a wife so you think about your husband you're a daughter so you think about your mother and it's natural to think that way but you also need to remember you know you need to think about yourself Mm -hmm. you need to to do you know like I'm big on like having self-care and making sure that you take care of yourself because if you're not good, no one else is going to be good. Yeah. No, if you a mess, if you a mess and you tired and you sleepy, how are you going to do stuff for your house? How are you going to cook for your kids? How are you going to, you know, spend time with your, with your partner? If you're, if you're, if you're tapped out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my sources of self-care is, you know, I like to work out. I like to get my nails done. I like to go to the spa. I like to do just simple things. It's not like mm-hmm. I need to go to Mexico or something. But <laughs> <laughs> not that you would mind, but. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind a trip, but, um, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just, I think, you know, having to be, you have to be good. You have to be, you have to be together you have first. To be. Yeah. And then you take care of everything else. Yeah. That's that's just how how it is. And the minute that I think that I'm becoming empty or I'm like, this is too much right now, or this is just, I just like, okay, I need to reset. So what do I need to do for myself? Even if it's like an hour of TV or a, a, I'm reading a book or something that um, is for me. Like I always, I'm big, I'm big on me time. Mm-hmm. I'm very big on me time. Like it's important to spend time by yourself. Yeah. So I think I handle all the roles by first taking care of myself and and um, catering to me, and then I'm able to cater to everyone else around me. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I have noticed, um, like being, you know, I worked in early childhood education as well, and you know, I worked with many parents and <clears throat> especially mothers, and just having friends as mothers. Um, one of the number one things that I've heard that like is like the biggest struggle uh, is not feeling selfish to to take care of yourself and like really learning how to to be able to go, go into that even one hour and and mm-hmm. take yourself out of that role and so how how have you navigated like those feelings of like you know it's okay to prioritize myself and not be feel selfish about it well in the beginning it was hard like when I first had my daughter it was hard because I mean as a newborn you just it's just all on your kid like it's just you and your baby like for the first couple months um so I think in the beginning it was really hard but then sometimes I would be like all right this is this is just becoming too much like I'm just I need a moment like I need a rest period. I need some time. Like it was points where I couldn't even shower by myself because, you know, she wasn't a, she wasn't, she was a good baby, but it was like the minute I wanted to take a shower is when she wanted me to hold her or she mm-hmm. wanted me to play with her. And it just was like, I can't even take a shower. <laughs> just like, wow. Like, you know, so I think it's also important to have help. It's, mm-hmm. it's okay to ask for help when you need help. Um, You know, I, I thank God that I still have my mom around. So my mom would help. Um, my fiance's mom was around um, also during a pandemic. So she was helping. So, you know, I think that helped me regulate my self time. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. was the help that I had. And then, you know, her dad is great and he'll take her, you know, or anything like that when she was a newborn, even now. But I I always try to tell moms because I, I have a, a lot of moms like when like I'll post something a lot of of me, you know, doing me time, like getting my nails done or I'm working out. And they're like, how do you how do you do that? And you don't feel bad about leaving your kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but it's only for an hour. Why do you yeah. feel bad about one hour spending time for yourself? Like, why do you mm-hmm. feel so bad? You should not feel bad. You know, and I I, I try to tell them, like, you shouldn't feel bad that you want to just spend time with yourself. You have to reset yourself so that you're good for your child. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't be there with your kid all day and they're driving you nuts. And you're like, I just wish I had some time. And then you start taking it out on them. And and, you know, that's not okay. That's not not their fault. Yeah. So in the end, it's actually more selfish to stay. And not recharge exactly. than to take an hour exactly. and recharge. And you're not doing exactly. anybody a favor by staying when you're when you don't feel like yourself. And yeah, yeah, I I I so often think that too. And I think it's like you know a lot of times for me to say it, it's hard for other women to hear it because I don't have I I haven't actually bared a child myself. But you know, working mm-hmm. with children, but and and just being like a human being, I'm like you have to understand that it's not selfish to take care of yourself. You know, no, what's selfish no, is, is if people can't understand that you need to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it really yes. is that simple. Like, it could either be really easy to go take care of yourself or really hard. And which one are you going to pick? And who's also, like, around you? Because if there's people around yeah. you who, like, can't understand that you need to prioritize your needs, like, especially as a mother. Like, and I'm not saying that the role as a father, like, they don't, they don't have an exhausting role. But there is nothing like the role of a mother. Nothing, you know, yeah. like, the bearing of the child, giving birth, and still having to every single, like, hours of the day sucking life out of you literally you know and you have to rebuild your identity and everything about yourself you know and yeah and your body changing yeah everything so that's why I say like help is important um because you know it's like even now I'll be like to my fiance I'm going to get my nails done so all right. And I would just be like, see you later. Like, you know, and it's, it's just important to have that help and those people that are willing to be there yeah. and to just, you know, help out for a little bit because like, it's exhausting, especially mm-hmm. with a newborn. It's so exhausting and it's okay to take time out for yourself. It's, you're not doing a disservice to anybody. You're doing a disservice to yourself if you don't take that time. Mm-hmm. So I always like, I mean, I had to learn it for myself because when I was with her all the time, I was like, oh my goodness, I need a moment. I need a moment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I would have, um, you know, my mom or his mom, or if he was here, I would be like, all right. You know, even if I was, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> like That's time by myself. I'm going to take a nap. So yeah, that yeah. is, it's just important to have me time. Even if I always say like, Give yourself an hour a day, even if it's like you wake up before the baby, because that's what I do Mm -hmm. now. I wake up before my daughter wakes up and I work out because I need that time. And it's me waking up early. Like, it's not even like it's not taking away me spending time with her during the day. I'm not doing any of that. I'm waking up early. I wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I work out and I get ready for work. And then Mm -hmm. most of the time she wakes up. 
I'll talk to her. We have a little chit chat. I give her her bottle and then I, I go to work, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's just, that's why I say everything is, is timing and it's time management because you make time for the things you want to make time for. So you really need a moment by yourself. You need an hour, take, make time for that hour, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I love how, because uh, one of the questions I have written is what, what helped you during difficult times during the start of becoming a new parent? Um, mm-hmm. And so you, you mentioned like how getting your nails done and stuff. Um, but like right in those like beginning, like first couple of like that first month, you know, I noticed that sometimes like some women could either be like really social. I don't know if it's because like their family or friends are demanding the socialness or, um, but I've also noticed like a lot of women wanting to more um, introvert maybe. And, 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 you know, I don't know if it's always like, it could be postpartum depression or something um, or whatever. Like I, I, again, like I, I don't have my own child, but I assume your uh, hormones, everything is changing so drastically during that time. And so like, how do you balance that? Like going like those first, like that first like month or two months where, you know, maybe you're not ready to go out and get your nails done right away or something. And you're kind of like just home. Well, when I first, um, when you give birth, when I, well, not when I gave birth, it's like you, you definitely, you feel the shift in your hormones. Mm-hmm. that moment at least I forgot what it's called it's some hormone that you released when you give birth and um literally after my daughter was born she had to go to NICU uh for a week and that was already heartbreaking so I have a, I came to the hospital in labor I have a baby and then you know she's kind of taken from me and I know there's a lot of moms who've, who've experienced um, Nick you and how it is and you know you don't get to be with your baby all day you don't get to have that um, time for them to you know sleep with you when you're in the hospital and you know they're in NICU so that shift was already hard for me that was one shift right because it was the mm-hmm. hormones and then boom she's in NICU and then so it was hard for me to breastfeed because she was in NICU and I was like pumping and nothing was coming out and I was pumping and, and it just lead me to crying. And cause it's just so many hormones, like, so your, your body just shifts. It's just, it's crazy. And like, sometimes I would just cry for no reason. I'm like, why am I crying? So when you, when you touched on postpartum depression, I was going to speak about that because it's something that I don't think people talk about enough of and or at least people, I don't know a lot of people who spoke about it. I have one friend who did tell me that she went through it and she told me like, please reach out to me if you ever feel this way, because um, it's real. Like you can, the shift in the hormones and just being with your baby all day, you can get depressed. And, you know, I don't say I had it for a long period of time, but I did have a moment reflecting on why am I so sad right now? Like, Mm. I'm so sad and I don't know why. Like, and it wasn't like, I didn't do anything. My man didn't do nothing. Like nothing happened, but I was just so sad and I would be crying. and, And it was for a short period of time. And, you know, 
I just, I came out of it, I guess, by, you know, just asking people for help of just, mm. can you watch her? Cause I think I need a minute or, you know, just different stuff like that. Or like when she slept, I would do something that I enjoyed. Um, mm. I watch a show that I like, or I would, whew, sorry, I would do, you know, something like that. But I do, postpartum is real. And I think that if you ever feel like you're going to harm yourself or harm your baby, you should just reach out and ask for help. Yeah. Because it is, is definitely real. Your body is going through something that is life changing. Like you are, you are growing a person in your body and then you are, you know, however you deliver, you deliver naturally, you deliver a C-section, you get an epidural, you still delivering, you still have a baby, you still creating life. So, and your body is changing from that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, just expect to go through some things after you have that baby. It's not, it's not like the movies. It's it's Mm -hmm. not, you have a baby, you come home, they don't give you no instructions. They're like, here's your (laughs) baby. (laughs) Like, here you go. Okay. This is what you grew. (laughs) exactly like I'm like what am I supposed to do but um yeah but yeah I I I definitely think that um if you need a moment just definitely reach out to someone someone that understands you um you know because men don't understand these things I'm gonna tell you right now your man not gonna understand nothing they not (laughs) you can tell him and he's gonna be like but why like I don't understand. Like they don't, they don't get it. They don't, they don't get being a woman. Mm-hmm. Period. They just don't get it, and it's just that's just how they were made, right? That's mm-hmm. just how they were made. They just don't understand. Um, even if you try to explain, some men they might, but some men just don't understand exactly yeah. what you're going through. They can't feel, and sometimes people have to feel exactly how you feel to understand it, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing of like you know of giving birth. You don't know what that's like until you actually experience it. Mm-hmm. So a man is not going to ex- know what giving birth is like. He just sees it. And it's like, but well, you were made to do this. Right. So he doesn't understand like all the hormones behind it and all those things, you know, like I had to explain some, I had to explain some of those things to my fiance about that. And I would be like, just look it up because even when I was pregnant, my hormones would shift, they would mm-hmm. shift. And I would be like, I think you need to just look it up on the internet and just, you know, for real, yeah. like, because men don't know what it's like. It's, 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 it's not, you know, they don't, they just don't know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's why I always say that we have Google. Yeah. You know, you so, touched on like a really um, important thing um, about the relationship, like between like when you, I would get pregnant and have a child and, you know, um, the, the not always understanding that men have. Um, and, you know, another thing that I've, I've noticed um, happening is that there's a, a high level of exhaustion for the woman, the, uh, the mother, because she feels like she has to not only learn how to be a mother, but at the same time, she's having to teach the father how to be a father and sometimes mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of struggle, especially in the beginning, because of like the natural mother instinct. 
you know, you constantly mm-hmm. feel like nobody could handle your baby. Maybe this is the best mm-hmm. way that you can handle it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to build a trust in your partner. And, um, and then also what's unique with you that I've noticed, or, or I have learned, or heard about in the past, I should say, is people specifically who have worked with younger children before having children tend to sometimes struggle when they have their own child because they feel like they, they, they're like constantly butting heads with their partner because of their previous mm-hmm. knowledge and then going into mm-hmm. parenthood. So um, what's that been like for you? Has any of that been a problem or come up or? So we, we don't really butt heads. It'll just be like a conversation we'll have because, you know, when she was first born, um, you know, he never changed a diaper before. So I'm literally teaching him how to change a diaper because whose diaper is he going to change? So, right. you know, this is his first child as well. So this was his first newborn he's ever held. I had to teach him how to hold her, um, teach him how to change her diaper, um, all of that. But he was fine with learning. And sometimes he would uh, ask his mom or ask his aunt questions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and his aunt was here. Um, they're from Africa. His aunt was here when I gave birth. So she was also around helping and um, he would ask questions. Um, but I don't think like as she's getting older, I think well, like he'll say something and I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Like, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and especially being like you said, being in early childhood, I definitely went to school for this so now since I have my master's I'm always like but who has the master's <laughs> and I'm like playing <laughs> but uh, in a way like like for her growing and her development right now like I know like you're supposed to talk to your kids you need to talk to them you need to point to things you need to show them things you know you give them the information she's not speaking right now but she's listening to us. She's learning how people talk to one another. She's learning that, you know, she's learning, she's watching everything that we do. So I always, you know, I tell him, you know, like certain things to do with her so that she can have that development. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not like a, it's not like a butting head. It's, it's just, we have a conversation because, you know, Mm. I don't want to argue about, you know, it's it's our child and I don't want to feel as though it's my child and I'm yep. and what I say goes because that's his child as well. And I think some moms do that sometimes. And, you know, that's not fair because if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't have your child as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, there are some things that I'm like, eh, whatever. It was yeah. your father. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some things that I'm like can we do this differently can we do that can we you know because um she's ours and I don't want to butt heads with you about our child especially not in front of her I just want us to talk through things and Mm -hmm. yeah it's a lot of teaching it definitely is a lot of teaching because you do have that mother instinct like it just clicks like the baby comes out and boom you're a mom and um even when I was pregnant like the importance of talking to the baby in the belly I had to even teach him that like you gotta talk to her she needs to know your name she needs she needs to know what your voice sounds like like you know like Mm -hmm. I knew all of that just from being 
a woman and being a teacher and being in the field of education. And I would tell him, so he would look at me like, what? I'm talking to your belly. Yes, you're talking to my belly. Talk to my, <laughs> talk, to, talk to your daughter. <laughs> right. You know, so, but, but he was never opposed to anything that I showed him or taught him or anything like that. He, he was never opposed. He would be like, okay. Yeah. Right. So it's like really, the only thing- really important to like always communicate. And listen, yeah, understand, and like, and not come from it a is. place of like, this is personal or or whatever. But like, also kind of seems like a little bit of like accepting your role and just like, yeah, accepting it with grace. Like, it's not a bad thing that that you're leading as a mother. Like, you know, motherhood. Like, I feel like it's just so natural where it's like the mother holds the the father, really. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and it's not, it's never presented like that, but that's actually the truth. The mother actually holds the father. Yeah. It is not the father who yeah. holds the mother. And no, because they said, they say the, the man is the head of the family, but the woman is the neck. Mm-hmm. And what you need, you need the neck to hold the head up, right? Yeah. So it's, that's, that's how I see it because, yeah, he's the head, but I'm the neck. So, mm-hmm. you know, and that's working together. Yeah. And, communicating with one another and you know I've had to learn that being in a relationship too like you have to learn that everybody's communication styles and everybody's uh you know talking when you discuss different things sometimes like you know they might come off a certain way or you don't you don't know you know their talking styles and and how they want to communicate with you so it's just good to sit down and be like okay this is what you know, this is, this is this, this is that. Let's talk about how we're going to communicate with one another where someone doesn't feel like this, someone doesn't feel like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that communication, communication is just everything. I think yeah. in, in anything, in a friendship, in a relationship, um, relationships with your parents, it's mm-hmm. just communi- communicating with them and talking with them about, you know, everything, just communicating yeah yeah oh man this parenthood is is an adventure life is an adventure like it is such a freaking adventure because it's like there's so many things that like happen that are like we all go through so many different ranges of things but at the end like there's so many similarities you know and like even though like I haven't been a, a parent yet which I really do want to be someday you know um and it's really helpful to hear your perspective like uh, like where you're at you know um your daughter is a little one a little over one years old now and you know I I met her when I think she was what three months or six months and you know just seeing and then again at nine or ten yeah and like there was such a huge difference you know in in like the woman that you were and still becoming, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I think you said before, like um, about your coworker about how it's so cool that she's older with her parents. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of times, like you hear, like if, if a, if a person has a child that's 16 years old, they're like, Oh, you grow up with your kid. But the reality is, is that no matter what age you have your child, you grow with your child. You are mm-hmm. like, you evolve and grow and, and with your partner too, you know, like you're always like, growing with them and and so I think as much as it's it's difficult it's also like so wildly beautiful it is and I think that especially like in a relationship it's what keep you guys 
together and keep you guys strong is when you're both growing and you're growing together Mm -hmm. growing in your own ways as well but then when you come back together like you're more mature and you're um you know you're able to discuss things that maybe were hard to discuss before like communication is better I think that all those things come with come with time come with wisdom come with age it's just yeah yeah. Um, so one last question about um, motherhood is where are what is something or some things that you mentioned before like you felt like postpartum is not something that was really discussed about Um, is there anything else like related there like in motherhood um, that isn't really talked about much that you wish that you maybe had someone who who spoke up about it more that you would like to shed light on I would um I would say well a, another part about postpartum was that a lot of the doctors uh at, at your well visits that ask you a lot of postpartum questions do you want to hurt yourself or hurt your baby like after when you come back and it's like if I was I'm not gonna tell you doctor like you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. so it's just like that's why I, I always say it's important to reach out for help but the other thing I would say uh, is breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is not as easy as it se- as it seems, at least for me. And I think a part of it was uh, my daughter being in NICU because it was the away time. And they always say like, the more you have her latch onto you, the more you have her on your chest, um, the milk will come naturally. And it just wasn't happening for me. Like I didn't get milk until five days after she was born. So, you know, that was really hard for me because only one person in my family breastfed. So it was not something that, it was always something that I aimed for. I said, I wanted to breastfeed. Like I always said that from before she was born, I said, I'm going to do everything in my power to breastfeed her. Um, And then when she was born, I was like, where's the milk? I thought it was supposed to just come. And the nurses would just be like, you have to just pump. And I was sitting there pumping and pumping and pumping. And I was in the hospital for two days. And then I went home still pumping. I didn't get milk until two days before she was released. So like, wow. I got milk day five. She was released day seven. And we tried to latch her in the in the hospital, but I didn't have any milk. So it was like she's latching onto nothing and she's hungry, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so she had to get the bottle and then when we went home I still continued to try to latch and pumping I was I was expressing milk Um, so but every time I would latch she would have a fit because she was already exposed to the bottle and the bottle gives you milk faster than breast Mm -hmm. so it was just like really hard for me because I just really wanted to breastfeed and um, I did see a lactation specialist and, you know, she helped me latch her on, latch her on. And I would do that when I would get home, but sometimes she did not want to latch and she would just cry and cry. So it was like, okay, I have to give you the bottle. Mm-hmm. So I just wind up pumping, just pumping, um, pumping milk and, um, giving it to her. I did that for nine months and, um, yeah, I would, I, so I, I, I would say that breastfeeding is something that, I would want people to just talk about more because it's just not as easy for some women and some women are never able to breastfeed because some women, um, they don't get a lot of milk. 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I was able to produce milk for nine months. Um, but there's some people who they just don't have any milk. And I think people make it seem like for some women, it, some women, it, it's just a choice not to do it. But yeah. you just don't know what they had to do to get there because not everybody, you know, has the same amount of milk. Like some people yeah. produce a lot of milk. Like I know people who had a freezer full of milk and I used to be like, why can't I be like that? Why am I not expressing milk for months? Like there were literally, I know people who did that. I was only able to express milk for the day mm-hmm. and that was it. I was expressing milk for the day. And then sometimes at night I had to substitute with formula because I didn't have any more milk. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, it's something that should be talked about more because. Um, I, I was hoping you were actually going to mention that because mm-hmm. that is something that, you know, I've heard is really hard and it's not this like linear, clear cut, beautiful thing, like same with pregnancy. It's not like the movies, like you said, mm-hmm. and it's not like you, your baby just comes out and they breastfeed and it's like that and everything just goes as perfect as can be. And I know that a lot of postpartum can attach to the fact that women aren't able to breastfeed and they feel like they're failing their child or Mm -hmm. failing as a woman. And how can I be this woman who's supposed to naturally do this and it's not happening and nobody told me this and everyone, you know, kind of makes it seem like it's, it's this one way. And, you know, it's really important to talk about the fact that a lot more women experience like struggles with breastfeeding than than we know um and uh, there's a lot of people who just don't do it because it's not easy so some people just like you know what just give her the bottle just give the baby the bottle it's just so much easier and this is just not easy for me yeah you know and it wasn't easy for me it wasn't easy I was sitting there pumping air for five days like that's already in itself was really hard like yeah really hard for me and I was just like am I ever going to be able and without your baby there too and without my baby there so I'm like is this going to be something that I'm able to do like what is going on like why is there no milk like what mm -hmm. is what is going on you know, and then finally, when milk started to come, I was like the happiest person mm. ever. I was so happy. And she liked my breast milk more than she liked the formula. She would drink it all up. And, you know, I just, I wish I was able to latch her. Mm-hmm. I had tried. I really did. Like, I think you would come over and I don't, I'm not sure if I did it in front of you, but I tried. No, you try. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. I would try all the time. And she just was not. <laughs> didn't want it like she just she would sometimes here and there but it was like if I gave her a bottle it was the bottle so but I still was able to give her breast milk until she was nine months which I'm still very proud of myself for doing Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to go to congratulations too thank you I wanted to go to a year but I for some reason some women tell me that they lose weight when they're breastfeeding and I was not losing any weight, I was actually gaining weight, Mm. which is another thing. I mean, it could have been because of it happened when I was breastfeeding was during the pandemic. So I was home a lot. Um, And, you know, a lot of people gained quarantine weight. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I was not losing any weight breastfeeding. And I don't know if that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear so many people I read so many articles that you're gonna lose it when you breastfeed you're gonna lose weight. you're gonna lose weight because like um 
breastfeeding, you burn like 500 calories a day just from breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So I used to think that I was going to lose all this weight and I did not lose none of it. I actually gained weight. And I mean, like I said, a part of it was quarantine, but I, I was gaining weight and I was like, no. And that's another part that I, I, one of my friends said that she was proud of me because I said, you know what, I wasn't, I wasn't losing any weight. So I think I'm going to stop breastfeeding so that I can focus a little more on myself and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, and, and try to lose weight. And, and she said to me, she said, wow, Erica, she said, I'm happy that you, you thought about yourself because a lot of women don't. And I'm just, I just want to say that there's nothing wrong with thinking about yourself. Like, your baby's going to be good. Like, at least I thought, like, my baby got nine months of breast milk, nine straight months of breast milk. I was substitute with formula sometimes, you know, but most of the time she had breast milk. So I was like, you know what they say, they even say the first three months you should give it to them. And Mm -hmm. after that, and a lot of people do that. I know a lot of people who just only did three months and that was it. Yeah. I was like, I did nine months. And she's nine months, she's crawling, she's hitting all her developmental um, stages correctly. So I said, I'm going to focus on myself and I'm going to start working out and doing what I have to do for myself. So yeah, yeah, that's why I stopped. I stopped breastfeeding because I wasn't work. I was and we were all working from home. So I was sitting most of the time and mm-hmm. it just wasn't good for my health. I didn't feel like myself. I felt really heavy, really just, you know, and pumping takes a lot of time. Something else they don't mention. Pumping takes one session is about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how much you express milk. So you're sitting there, you can't do much because you got to sit there. So it's less time you're spending with your baby, less time you're doing things around the house and you need to pump a couple of times a day. Mm -hmm. So imagine all those hours taking from your day as Mm -hmm. well. I mean, you're, you're giving what they call it, liquid gold to your baby, which yep. is a precious thing, but you also need time for yourself. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. I love that. I love that so much. And I, I'm, I'm really glad that you touched on a lot of that because I know that there's so many women who, who struggle and there's so many things that like, I feel like women go through alone and that those struggles, like our struggles are constantly scoffed at or, you know, like, it's just like, it's almost like taboo to, to say mm-hmm. things or like, ugh, like another woman just complaining about the same thing when it's like, well, maybe there's a reason, like maybe something's mm-hmm. going on and, you know, there's need, there needs to be like listening and understanding. And, the, and while I was mentioning like the woman holds the, the, the male, like the, the woman still needs to be held too, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that goes back to where you said, like having that, that support in the community and how vital that is during those times. Um, so um, after you gave birth and everything, you chose to go back to school. Like you, you ended up going back, obviously you ended up going back to school and graduating. So yeah. was that really, was that a hard transition for you? Or is that like, like a no brainer? Like, like there's no way I'm not going to not finish this. Yeah. It was kind of like, it was a no brainer and I only had one class left. And um, well, during, um, when she was first born, I was first on maternity leave. I had to take some certification tests. 
So I already was, I took like two or three of them while I was on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I was trying to make, you know, make sure I finish when I'm supposed to finish. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I I only had one class left. So it was kind of like, all I have is one class. Let's do it. Like you gave birth, you you moved through breastfeeding and all of it. Like, let's do this class. This is school's nothing now. (laughs) And the class was completely online. I didn't have to go anywhere, which made it even better for me. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't hard for me at all. Awesome. It was just like easy peasy. It was only one class, fall semester. So you kind of like ended at like the perfect time. Like, you know, it would have been harder if you went back and had like seven more classes to go. But even yeah. if you did, like, you know, if that's your goal and you still want to do it, like do it. And I love exactly. that like no matter what, like you persevered. And like a lot of times people view like having a child like, oh my God, it's the end of my life and this is it. And you know, clearly yeah. you were just like well, I got to do it. So let's give birth and let's keep moving because life needs to just keep moving. And, you know, I was thinking when you were saying that before, like when we go through, like when like really traumatic things happen to us, like I feel like what we do right after is a a huge foreshadow to how we're going to continue to cope with it and deal Mm -hmm. with it. And it seems like it's always been to just keep moving and moving forward in your life and, and finding that flow and balance and, and, you know, having that patience and rest when it doesn't make sense and always going back to prayer and, and touching into faith. And I think so far you live such a beautiful journey in your life and you have yeah. so much more ahead of you. Um, is, do you have, what's like your plan, your next future plans that you're going towards? Hmm. <laughs> that's a big question yeah, that is a big question um well right now we're planning our wedding yay um, <laughs> we're planning our wedding for we're getting married next year so mm-hmm. i really that we well we booked the venue still got stuff to do but the, book, <laughs> the venue is a book that's the most important yep <laughs> yep that it really so, is like once you got that everything just kind of goes <laughs> yeah exactly right like dumb get a dress and all that stuff but right. um but yeah the we're, we're planning our wedding and we're also um trying to visit different states in uh the u.s to see like where's our next move because (laughs) (laughs) new york new jersey is just kind of i mean jersey is okay i I do like living here but um we just like i said i always said there's so much more to life right we've Mm -hmm. i've lived in jersey for five years and i lived in two different towns um and I just know there's more to life. I want to know what it's like to teach in another state. I want to know what it's like to live in another neighborhood. Um, I want to know what it's like to do those things. I don't want to just stay here all my life. I don't. And I want to give my child those experiences too. Um, So yeah, we're, we're trying to visit some states here and there. We went to Ohio already, like I told you. So we're (laughs) trying to plan those out for the year being, um, you know, safe and free of Corona. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, well, I look forward to having you again on this podcast when Thank you. seeing where your life goes. Um, so what advice would you give someone living in fear, um, who's going after their dreams and that they have like this paralyzing fear of, 
of the unknowns what would be your advice to them so yeah I would say just do it because I honestly I still have goals and I still have dreams that I want to accomplish that I don't talk about because I think that sometimes you just got to keep some stuff to yourself and just do it for yourself you don't need to tell everybody everything I'm a firm believer in not telling everybody your goals. <laughs> I'm don't tell trying them. to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell everybody your goals. Don't tell everybody your next move. Just do it. Just do it. Don't you don't need to tell you don't need to prove nothing to nobody. So, um, I would say like, you know, I'm afraid of some of the goals that I wanna accomplish, but you know, I, I always say I don't wanna be a certain age and say, Well, what if I did that? What if I did this? So, I mean, there are some things that, you know, you think about and you're like, dang, I could have did that differently, but mm-hmm. you got to move past it and think about the future and think about what you want out of your own life because there's still goals and dreams that I want to do and that, you know, I just keep for myself because I'm like, I want to do this for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not always something that you need to broadcast, that you need to tell everybody what you're doing. Um, you just you just get up and do it and then sometimes when you do things in silence and they don't work out there's no one asking you about it because it just (laughs) you know what I mean if you're like I'm going to take the bar next week oh my goodness I can't wait I hope I pass and then you fail and everybody's like what happened to the bar then you say you had to take it well what happened you know what I mean so it's kind of like if you keep certain stuff to yourself and you do it if it doesn't work out then it doesn't work out but if it works out you could keep on going and do something else and just you know just you don't have to announce to the world what you're doing you don't have to announce to your family or your friends everything that you want to do with your life you know some things you keep to yourself and it's okay to be afraid it's definitely okay to be afraid it's it's okay to be afraid of change you know it's okay to be uncomfortable it's normal to be afraid of change. Cause I'm like so scared of moving. I definitely am nervous about going to another state, going to another city, but I know this is something that I wanna do. And I know this is something that if I don't do it, I'm gonna regret doing it, you know? So I don't wanna live my life in a bubble. I wanna go outside the bubble and see how life is like, you know? in other states and right you just want to live you just gotta live exactly you just gotta live i love that so before we end the episode i want to do um a card reading from my universe has your back deck like i like to do um so uh eric and i well we're obviously i'm sure you've got this at this point that we're recording virtually um so i (laughs) i have uh picked her card um and so this card is kind of just like words of wisdom related towards things that we've been saying. And so, so the card that I had picked picked was my faith, my faith has the power to turn trauma into healing conflict into growth and fear into love. And the card that Erica got was the key to prayer is to forget what I think I need. Thank you so much for being on this episode. I'm so happy that you are here. I love you so dearly. You are amazing. I'm so excited for everything that you are doing in your life. And I look forward to having you back again because you will be back again. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) All right.
I will see you guys next week. Thank you again, Erica. And bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Into the World We Go. Your love and support means the world to me. If you would like to help support this podcast more, please head over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe, leave a five-star rating and a review. If you are interested in being a guest on future episodes, you could direct message me on Instagram at intotheworld.life. To connect more with me, you can find me on TikTok at intotheworldwithmarky. Be well, be brave, be patient, be kind, be weird, and most of all, be you. Sending you love and light.